Amen. God bless you all. Thank you, Jesus. I, uh, at home, I, I don't preach with any monitor. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. Um, I uh, started off in our living room and uh, just set some chairs out, taught Bible study. God built the church, and uh, I just got used to preaching without monitor, so I, I can preach with, I can preach without, it doesn't matter. I know what I sound like, so I'm not trying to stay on key, so I understand singers need it. If I tried to stay on key, you wouldn't like it. Amen. I, no, I won't go there, I'm sorry. Amen. It is an absolute honor to be here with your pastor. Now, I'm going to say something, and he's not going to like it. But I have admired this man for many, many years. Him, his wife, his family, what an amazing work that God has done through their lives and how he has built this church through the ministry of your pastor. Many years, um, he would come down and preach in Kenai, and we, we were both assistants to the same amazing man of God. And um, there's something about Stuart Churchill and um, Sister uh, Orveda Churchill that imprinted things in me that I am to this day, uh, I, it taught me he and she taught me how to love people and um, not just preach to people, but to love people. And, uh, and I know that's in your pastor. Um, anybody that spent any time under Stuart Churchill was taught to love people. Amen. Amen. But I am very, very honored to be here. I know you're standing. Uh, and so I'll get to my scripture. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 2. Your pastor quoted it to you. I, I tell you, I've never met somebody in all my life that quotes scripture like Pastor Herring. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, he would eat the Bible quizzers up. He could do a 10-part cross-reference, I'm telling you. Acts 2.2, 2, and suddenly of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Pastor Herring called me some time ago, and I have just been praying and asking God what he would have me to bring to this church. And there is just something that I feel so very strongly that God is doing in this last day. You have to understand, Jesus is coming so soon. Jesus is, we, we are on the very edge of time and the last stroke of the moment before Jesus sends his angels to reap the earth and bring the harvest of mankind home. But before he does, there is a great work that he will do in this last time. His church will not go out of this world defeated. His church will not go out of this world in, in, in nothing but pain and misery. His church is triumphant, and his church will leave this earth in great victory. And so I, I want to preach to you today a message that the Lord just imprinted in my soul, and it's called 
an apostolic explosion. An apostolic explosion. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. For it is your word, God, that is a light into my path, God. It is life unto me. And I thank you for your word. Anoint me to preach this word. And anoint every heart, soul, and mind that is here to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. I cannot preach with my coat on. Never been able to. Earlier this year, my wife and I um, traveled through several parts of California. We have a travel trailer and a truck, and we park it um, at a, wherever we're at and put it in storage, and then we fly home, and then we'll fly back down, get the truck and the trailer, and we'll just travel around and see different parts of America. And so this spring, we were in California, and we went up to the Sierra National Forest and went to Yellowstone and then went on over to um, uh, another place. My mind goes blank. But we're traveling around, and um, one thing that really struck me was the amount of forest fires that had been through that area. If you're going to go into Yosemite Park, you're going to drive through a desolate land of fire-ridden trees. They, they, they just just decimated that whole area. You go into Sequoia National Forest, and these this is where the biggest tree on earth is, and uh, General Sherman, and uh, as you're going in there, you just marvel at the amount of trees that have just been burned down. These giant sequoias, all of these beautiful things, and it just, it just was amazed me as I was going uh, through there. Fire is a very interesting thing. It can be both a, a blessing and destruction. We know here in Alaska when it gets 30 below, we like fire. We like fire. Fire is a really, really good thing. We, we, we put our, our kindling wood together and light a fire in our wood stoves, and, and we're, we're nice, and, nice and warm. Now, when I worked, I worked 31 years in a refinery. I was in operations and on through management and all that, but 31 years in a refinery. And what I, when I worked in that refinery, I was trained on firefighting. When you boil dinosaurs, they don't like it. And we would heat gasoline up to 950 degrees and then put it in a reactor. And all kinds of bad things can happen when you do those sorts of things. We dealt with crude oil, which has many different varieties of petroleum products. You have asphalt and diesel and kerosene and gasoline and all of the liquefied petroleum gas, uh, such as propane and butane, different things like that. All of that comes out of crude oil. And every one of them is a fire danger. Every last one of them. Asphalt is a fire danger. Every one of them. You, but each one of those Types of petroleum products have what we call flashpoint, but it, it's a different, uh, a different place at which that thing can ignite. For, for instance, you can take a torch and you can run it across asphalt, and you're never, you don't have to worry about that. It's not going to be a problem. Did you know you can take a, a, a diesel and you can put it in a cup, and you can wave a, a match across the top of that cup, and it will not catch on fire? It won't do it. But other petroleum products, if you did that, you had a real problem. 
When we worked in that environment, um, fire was constantly a, con a concern, and so we were always looking, always looking for any sign that would cause us to be concerned that something might catch on fire. And uh, I, I, I fought a lot of fires while I was there. I stood right in front of a pump as it, poof, just caught on fire right in front of me. Fire was a constant concern at the, at the refinery. But there was something that we feared even greater than fire. Something that, that, that was, of all of the concerns that we would have in that refinery, this was our greatest concern. We did not want an explosion. We'll take a fire any day over an explosion. I'll, I'll fight 10 fires over facing one explosion. Here's the reason. A fire you can contain. A fire you can control. But a, an explosion, you cannot contain it. And an explosion, you cannot control it. You cannot control an explosion. When an explosion is detonated, it is done. You are left with the ramifications of what happens in the explosion. Now, if you would show the, the slide that I gave you, there are three things that it takes to make fire. You have to have fuel and you have to have oxygen. You cannot have fire if you don't have those three things. The, the fuel or the heat is what allows the fuel to release its energy. It, you put heat to it, it will begin to release its energy, and as you put air to it, as you put oxygen to it, oxygen is the life of the fire. Oxygen is the life of the fire. If you're fighting a fire, you have to remove one of these three things. If you're going to light a fire in your wood stove, you take your kindling, you put it in the wood stove, and you put a newspaper underneath it, you light that newspaper, it's the heat that is coming off of the fire of that newspaper that begins to heat the wood. As the wood gets hot, it begins to release its energy. But you have to allow oxygen in there or you'll never get a fire. You have to. Once the oxygen is in introduced, you got a flame. So if you're fighting a fire, one of these three things have to go. If you're fighting a forest fire, they make a, a line across the, the woods. They, they put what's called a fire line in. What they're trying to do is starve the fire of its fuel. You'll, you can burn everything up to this line, but we'll make a line so that you don't have any fuel to go on past that. You're, you're, you're removing from the fire the fuel. They, they will take water hoses and they will drench the fire in water hoses. What are they trying to do? They're trying to take the heat away from the fire. If you take the heat away, the fire can't burn. But if you're fighting a petroleum fire, you've got to take the oxygen away. Even firefighters, when they're uh, forestry uh, fires, they're, they're, they'll put dirt on top of the fire. It, it's not because dirt puts fire out. It doesn't. Dirt just smothers it. doesn't allow oxygen in. As I said earlier, fires are a concern, but not as great as, a, as a, an explosion. A fire affects things that are in the local area. A fire affects that which is right around it. But an explosion reaches far beyond the area of the detonation. 
Let, let me, I'm sorry, I'm a walker. Let, let me explain what, a, what an explosion is. If you don't understand what an explosion is, I'm about to tell you exactly what an explosion is. An explosion happens like this. If, if I take diesel and I pour it on the ground in a long line and I go to the end of the line and I light the diesel here, you will watch the flame front start here and go all the way across the diesel to the other end. Then it will slowly begin to burn all of the fuel that I poured out until all of the fuel is gone. That's what will happen in a fire. But in an explosion, it's different. If you take propane and you release propane into the atmosphere and you were to release it into this building and it would begin to build up. And then because there is oxygen in this building, you have the fuel and you have the oxygen. But if it reaches an explosion happens and a detonation happens, if you take propane and you light propane in an atmosphere like this, you won't watch a flame front. It won't start here and you watch it go to there. It consumes all of that, that fuel at one moment. The, the, the moment it reaches the, the ignition source, it goes what is called supersonic. It burns from that end to that end in a moment and in an instant. And it consumes all of the fuel and what is left... What is left after it burns, all of that fuel is the concussion from the expansion that has happened from the heat as it burns all of that fuel in a very short second. And that is an explosion. That is an explosion. All of the fuel is burned at one time. And it causes an atmospheric expansion that creates a shock wave that goes well beyond the area where it's at. Now, when I was, when I was in, uh, uh, at Tesoro and I worked there, we had what we called story time every night when we worked nights. And we had this book, and the book was called What Went Wrong. And the book was a study of industrial uh, catastrophes. How many of you remember Bhopal, India? Bhopal, India. Bhopal, India was in the 70s, and it was insecticide. And uh, insecticide was released into the area around. It was, it was, it was vaporized and, and sent across the countryside there in, around Bhopal, India. Killed thousands and thousands of people. That, that catastrophe and, and the investigation thereafter is in that book. But we were reading in that book one time, and we, we, uh, we had this one story. And, man, it just made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. So what had happened was there was a hydrogen release in the unit. Now, I won't go into hydrogen because hydrogen's in all another world. But when you have a hydrogen release, you can't tell. I, I would not be able to tell in a room this big if the hydrogen re release was right here or up in that corner. Because it is so loud, it, it roars so loud, you cannot detect exactly where that thing is coming from. It's it, fills the, it fills such a volume of air with noise. It's a roar. The old-time operators that I worked with, I never had to do this. They told me if, if hydrogen ignites, you, can't, you cannot see hydrogen burn. It, it's an invisible flame. 
And the only way you, they, they would find the fires when, they would, when hydrogen would light on fire is they'd get a broomstick and they would take a step and they'd swing the broomstick. And they'd take a step and swing the broomstick. And if they took a step and they swung the broomstick and it got cut off, there's your fire. But this operator hears the roar. And, he, and, he, and he, he's telling the story of walking out into the unit with that hydrogen, where that thing is coming from. And as he's walking towards what he thinks is the area where it's coming from, the hydrogen detonates. And, and, he, and he's telling the story as he says, it's like everything just went into slow motion. And he said, I watched as, as that, that shock wave came forward. And he said it was ripping the insulation off of the pipes all around me. He said it, it was taking the aluminum that was around the insulation and just shredding it as it was just speeding its way towards me. It would be like standing in a grocery store and you've got all the chip aisle on both sides and you're watching those chips just go boom as it's flooding and it's just popping the shelves loose with all of the forces that's coming at him. He said eventually that, that shockwave hit him. It picked him up and threw him all the way across his unit, laid him flat on his back and went past him. He survived it. But it, it just, Brother Herring, I read that and I thought, oh, oh God, what am I doing in this place? <laughs> they don't pay me enough for that. Explosions are extremely destructive. An explosion does not damage only the area within the circumference of the explosion. It affects things that are way outside the boundaries of the area where the detonation happened. The Texas City refinery fire that happened several years ago was heard over 150 miles away from the refinery of their foundations. Explosions will rearrange the entire landscape. Explosions are sudden, they are violent, and there is nothing that you can do to stop an explosion. Once an explosion happens, water can't stop it. You can't smother it. You can't take anything away from it. The energy of the explosion will be felt all across the land. I am talking to you today about an apostolic explosion. I, I love your banners here. Every year, Brother Herring, I go down to Homer, and I spend three days, I cut everything out, just me and Jesus, and I am spending time trying to find God's direction for the year. And this is your direction, a time to restore. And I'm here to tell you that it is God's express will that in these last days, the apostolic restoration would happen across the world. God is in the process of restoration of the apostolic way, of the apostolic means and methods. 
This may be your first time here in a church. This may be your very first time coming to uh, Palmer Pentecostal Church. I don't know, but I want to explain something to you. When you read your Bible and you look at the book of Acts, because that is the original church. If you want to know what church was like in the original day, you've got to go to the book of Acts. And it's in the book of Acts that the power of God is manifest over and over and over and over again through the people. They did not go to church, do patty cake sermons, and and shake each other's hands, and then go home. No, the lame walked, the blind saw. There was all manner of healing. There was all manner of deliverance. And God is in the process of an apostolic restoration. We have seen things, Pastor. We have experienced things. You have, you, have, you have seen healings in your own congregation. You have experienced the manifest power of God moving in the lives of people. But what God is about to do. What God is about to do. And suddenly... And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house wherein they were sitting. I, I want to explain the scripture to you a little bit. 120 people are sitting in the upper room, and they are enraptured in prayer and in supplication and in seeking the face of God. They are in constant prayer. We do not know how many days long this prayer meeting went on. We do know it had to have been no, there was 50 days after the Passover and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But there was an absolute suddenness, a complete explosion that happened in the upper room. And that explosion was uncontainable. And every person that was there was left with tongues of fire that sat upon their heads. That explosion did not just affect the 120 that were gathered together in that place. But that explosion resonated outside that building. It resonated outside Jerusalem. And 3,000 people on that day were added to the church because of the apostolic explosion. That original explosion rearranged lives. It shook things off of its foundation. It made things brand new. Fuel, heat, and oxygen will create an explosion. I told you that if you take, if you take propane and you, and you fill an atmosphere with it and then you ignite it, it will explode. But the reality of it is that you can get wood to explode. Firefighters would say, do we have any firefighters in the room? Thank you, Jesus, and you have to believe what I say. But firefighters will tell you that there's this thing called backdraft. And, and it, what happens is you get a room that is on fire, but there is not enough oxygen in there to maintain a raging inferno. But there is enough oxygen in there to get that room superheated. It causes the room to be superheated. It's just wood. 
But as soon as that room that has been superheated, when that door comes open and oxygen comes, floods into that room, there is an explosion. And that is exactly what happened in the upper room. That is exactly what happened in the upper room. It had been 800 years since the prophecy of Joel that had been spoken. That Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. 800 years. Oh, they had religion. Oh, they had the best religion in the world. They had the original religion. They were sacrificing. They had, they had all of the tools, all of the implements. They had everything. They had religion, but religion was not satisfying them. Religion was not filling their soul. 800 years, Brother Plail, the soul of mankind was being superheated. It was not getting the breath of heaven. That soul of mankind was so hungry for God. That soul of mankind was so desiring. I am here to tell you today, if you've been to church after church after church, and it has not filled the hunger that is inside you, there is a reason. There is a reason. There is something that you are needing. You are fuel. You were meant to be saved. You were meant to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Spirit. You were meant for it. You are fuel. You are meant for what this is. But the heat has been applied. And you've been under the heat. Life has just tormented you. Life has caused pressure on you. Life has caused all kinds of things. Did you ever did you ever stop for a moment and ask yourself, you have been praying and asking God to help you in your situation, and it has only gotten worse? Did you even think for a moment that there is a purpose that God has in the midst of your suffering to create a superheating inside you? God wants to do something with somebody in this house. I can feel it as, it's as real as, as I'm standing here right now. God is reaching to somebody. You've been through things. You have been hurting and you have been crying out to God. And God is telling you, I am your answer. I will fill you. I will deliver you. 800 years. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. This is that 800 years later, after the superheating of their religion that was leaving them dry and dead and dull, after all of the Roman government and the oppression that they were under, after all of society and the emptiness of life, suddenly... Suddenly there was a sound from heaven as what? As of a rushing mighty wind. Did you know when, when you go to the book of Genesis, 
and you look at when God breathed on Adam, there is a specific word for breathed on. In the New Testament is the only other time that that word is ever used. And when it's when Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive ye the gift of the Holy Ghost. Do you understand that that is the breath of life? And suddenly... There was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And when that rushing mighty wind entered in to the upper room, the prayer meeting, then the supplication and the hunger for God exploded. And after the explosion, what did they see? Then they saw the fire. Then they saw the fire. After the explosion, then they saw the fire. It wasn't fire that rushed into that room. Three things. Can you put them back up there? Three things. Fuel, heat. Fuel, heat. But the oxygen... But the breath of life. You, you have to understand what oxygen is to a fire. Oxygen is the breath of life. You remove the oxygen. You've taken its life away. That explosion shook the foundations of the entire world. That explosion sent shockwaves across Jerusalem, Judea, and all of the surrounding areas. That explosion left the apostles with a boldness that they did not have before. You have to understand, something about an explosion just rearranges everything. It shakes everything. And those men that were hiding, and those men that had the doors shut, everything about them was rearranged and everything about them was shaken and they stood before the Sanhedrin and they said you tell me whether it's good for me to obey you or to obey God we will do what he's telling us to do we will be bold in your face we know the power of the explosion that changed our life that explosion got rid of religious bigotry I, I don't eat unclean things, Lord. Peter, don't call unclean what I call clean. There's going to be people coming into the congregation that you're going to look at and say, what are they doing here? My friend, don't call unclean what God has said is clean. That explosion changed their mind. It shook the foundation of their own understanding. And it transformed. It transformed what we have today. That explosion could not be stopped. It could not be stopped. The Apostle Paul could go around, try, uh, uh, Saul of Tarsus could go around trying to put his thumb here and his thumb there and wherever he went. But once the detonation happens, my friend, sooner or later, Saul, it's going to knock you off your donkey. Sooner or later, Saul, you're going to be laid flat with the explosion of the Holy Ghost yourself. 
because you can't stop an explosion when it starts. If you got a fire, you can contain a fire. You can fight a fire. You can work against a fire. But you cannot an explosion, my friend. Once a detonation happens, my friend, it is over. You are only left with the repercussions of what is about to happen. God is doing something globally. Right now, God is doing something globally that we cannot see with our naked eye. It's not just happening across the foreign fields. I was in Bangladesh, and, and, and this is probably the third year, fourth year of our existence as a church in Soldatna. Young church, probably 20, 30 people. And, and I was invited to go to Bangladesh. And during one of the sermons, the, one of the last nights, they invited me to come up and pray over the congregation of people that were there. And that night, I saw the day of Pentecost for my own eyes. I witnessed 3,000 receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing, Brother Herring. While I was standing up there and I was praying, and I have, this is my first time ever on the foreign mission field, and I have this image and this understanding of what it is like in the foreign mission field. And let me tell you something, it is amazing. But as I'm standing up there and I am praying over the people, I can feel the authority of God on me. And I can feel the power of God moving through me. And the first thing that came to my mind is this is exactly what I feel at home. It's the exact same authority. It's the exact same power. Over 20 in my church as over 6,000 in Bangladesh. But God is doing something globally. He's doing it. And he's doing it all across the globe. But we think it's always out there. We never think that God's going to do something here. We always look at the foreign field and say, God's going to do things in Africa. God's going to do things in Asia. But what about Palmer? You have to understand that the hand of God has been working across your city and throughout this whole region. You do not see the hand of God working. You do not, you cannot visually see it, but you can feel it. Tell me, Pastor Herring, that you have not felt the pressure that is upon this area. Tell me that you have not felt all of the pressure that has been over the last couple years. The, the Lord showed me something back home. Brother Plale, if in, in warfare, when there is warfare, there are always refugees. Always. They're always fleeing the warfare. They're always getting out. They're attacking over in Kiev. They're, they're in Ukraine. They're, they're over, and you'll see the hordes of people that are fleeing their hometowns. What are they fleeing? They're fleeing comfort. They're fleeing everything that is normal. They're fleeing everything that was always the way that they understood everything to be. And God has released something in the atmosphere that hell is fighting so strongly against. And there are refugees fleeing. Tell me you haven't felt the pressure. 
I hate the word COVID. I hate it. COVID. I, I don't like to speak it across a pulpit. I don't. It's so divisive. It's so full of. It's so full of this and that. My side, your side. This, this and that. It's so full of that. Do you understand what that is? That is pressure. That is that is pressure. People have been put in the pressure cooker. They had their nice little lives. They, they had their little tea parties at home. They went to work. They did their things. Every life was just good. There was no reason ever to step outside the normality that they have always known. No reason for them ever even to consider to change anything about their life. But suddenly, things have changed. Nothing is normal anymore. There are no lines that we can draw and say this is normal. We, in society, they can't even tell you if it's a boy or a girl. And even to the point now where they're saying we don't know if it's human or animal. Do you understand what that is? Oh, we'll rail against it and we'll preach against it. But my friend, it is the hand of God. Oh, that's sacrilege. Brother Playle, that's sacrilege. Do you understand that as long as things are normal for people, they will never step outside their normal? And God has to allow certain things so that people will say, I've been going to this church for a long time, and I'm seeing things here that I don't like. I've been going to this denomination for a long time. And there's stuff that's happening, and I know it's wrong. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I, 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 don't, I don't have a clue about what is going on. There is pressure that is being put on each and every person. We are at the point right now of superheating an entire generation of people. Their religion has left them dry. Their politics has abandoned them. Everything they knew to be normal has been stripped away. And the heat and the pressure of this world has just been increasing. There is a wind of God that he is about to release on mankind. In the last days, saith the Lord. If the last days were over 2,000 years ago, then surely, then surely we are the last days. And if God promised to do something powerful and did it then, then it will happen now. It will happen now. There is a wind of God he's about to release. I, now, I've been in Soldatness nine years. Last year, I got a text message from a local pastor. Text me, said, I want to, I want to meet up with you. Okay. Now, you got to understand, in Soldatna, I am persona non grata. Okay, that means I'm not invited. Not, I, I, they have an ecumenical thing. They do all that stuff. And uh, Soldatna Pentecostals, as nice as I have been to everybody, as loving and as open as I have been, 
not invited. Okay? So he calls me up, wants to talk. Church of God pastor, sure, I'll talk with you. I, I, I got, what, what am I going to hide? I got, no, I got, I, I, I love people. I, I love people. Pastor taught me love people. Love people. I sit down in Frozo's and we're eating our salad and finally he gets to it. We've been small talking about where he's from, where I'm from, and he just moved to the area, been here six months, and he said, I bet you're wondering why I asked you here. I said, yeah, I am. He said, uh, where I come from, we have a move of God. He said, but, but they don't do that here. And he said, I have gone to all of the pastors in this area, Assemblies of God, all, all of the pastors in the area. He said, I've gone to all of them. And I've, I've talked to them about this, and they don't know what I'm talking about. But I knew you would. I looked Andy in the face. And I smiled the biggest smile. I said, bro, I know exactly what you're, what you're talking about. And you are an answer to prayer. I told him, I have been praying that God would fill every denomination in this city with the power of the Holy Ghost. He told me, Brother Plale, he said, I am so hungry to have the power of God fall in my church. I want the Holy Ghost to fall. I want the power of the Holy Ghost among our people. They don't speak in tongues. They've never been baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want it in our church. They invited me. I, I got to meet the, the Church of God uh, district superintendent, took him out fishing, spent time with him. They invited me to go preach at their uh, district men's conference a couple years ago. I preached at their district men's conference a couple years ago. There is a move of God that is happening outside our walls. There is a hunger that is in people that are not among us. God is superheating the Baptist church. God is superheating the Methodist. God is superheating the Catholic. I, brother, brother Herring, I, my, my mother-in-law uh, passed away last year. We had her um, in June of this year. We had her memorial service at the Catholic church. I did not realize that we were actually going to a Catholic service. But after, after that we had the Catholic service, and I'm back in the back, and I'm talking to the priest, and he asked me, what do you do? And I say, I pastor in this city. He says, where do you pastor? I say, Soldatna Pentecostals. Man, his eyes got big. He said, I'm studying Pentecost now. And I want to talk to you about what that is. My friend, there is devotion. 
There, there is a hunger for God. There is a desire for God, but they don't understand. And, and God has been superheating this entire world. God has been pushing and pressing. And people that are sitting in these denominations realize that religion is not fixing it. And things that they're being told are not real. And God is about to breathe. God is about to breathe. And this church... And this church is perfectly positioned to be the ignition source for the apostolic revival that is about to happen across all of Alaska. What God will do will happen suddenly. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And that which had been superheated and that which was fuel, ready and hungry for the presence of God. Suddenly the wind of God blew into them. God is no respecter of person. If you're hungry for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he doesn't care if you're Catholic, Baptist, Mormon. He doesn't care if you're homosexual. He doesn't care. What he wants is a hungry heart. You are going to see entire congregations that are going to turn over to the truth. You're going to get calls from denominations saying something's happening in my church. Something is happening here. We've got people speaking in tongues. We've got people weeping in the floors. We've got people crying out and we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. What do we do? Can somebody come teach us? Can somebody come show us? Because something's happening in my church and I don't know what it is. And you're going to get calls, Pastor Herring, and your leadership team are going to have to step into a realm and dimension that you've never stepped in before. You're going to have to have an anointing on your life to reach people that you've never had before. They're not going to look like you. They're not going to act like you. But they're going to be hungry. My pastor told me, he said, it's the new Gentile church that is coming in. In the last days. Oh, I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Oh, we're going to have our problems. Pastor Herring, I, I had a church in Kodiak. Pastor called me up. Well, actually, he talked to a, a, a couple that was over there in Kodiak that I was working to start a church. He, long story short, I, I, I know that I've got to turn this church over to you. God spoke to me. He told me. God spoke to me and said that I'm supposed to turn this church over to you. I go there. I've spent time, I spent time with Roni. Roni Harden is a man that is hungry for God. He stood in the pulpit of his church and he looked across the congregation and he said, we've got to have the power of the Holy Ghost alive in this church. You have not spoken in tongues. You need to speak in tongues. You that have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you need to receive it. That's his words, not mine. There is a hunger that is out there. There is a desire that is out there and it's outside these walls. What God is about to do won't be onesie-twosie, sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so. It's going to be entire congregations.
And my friend, you're the, you're the ignition source. You're the ignition source. You're the ignition source. Can we stand today? I, I got a text from Brother Corbin. He is our apostle. And he told me, he said, we just recently had uh, a crusade. And in one day, one crusade, over 7,000 filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. How many of you believe that? Brother Herring's video evidence. Video evidence. I have video evidence of the 3,000 on my phone. Why do we believe God for things out there, but we just, for some reason, Palmer, God just said, you know what? I'm going, to, I'm going to fill this location. I'm going to fill that. I'm going to do mighty works and miracles everywhere else. But when it comes to Palmer, I'm just going to step beyond them and past them. Don't you understand that a soul is a soul regardless of where their location is on planet earth? When you read revelations out of every nation, out of every tongue, out of every tribe, You have Filipino congregations in this city that are yet to be brought out of, of, of this city. I, 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 Brother Herring, please forgive me. If I am stepping out of bounds, I submit to you right now. But I feel in the spirit there is a Filipino community that is here that has not been reached with this gospel, and they are ready. You're, you're going to see things that you did not expect to see. Go ahead. Rachel, are you here? There is. There is a great move of God that is happening right now. Right now. Brother Plale, when we read the word... It's slow. It's chaos. Nothing is happening. And then. And then. Nothing for you, Joseph, but prison. Nothing for you, Moses, but, but a desert. And then suddenly, a burning bush. And then suddenly, a rope shave and a haircut and stand before the king to interpret the dream. You see, we think it's all sudden because we're looking with the carnal eye. That's what we see. But God's hand has not been sudden. It's sudden to us. But God has been positioning and moving and changing and working and getting things ready to the point he says and now I can do it he works in darkness that you don't see but his hand is working there is an apostolic an apostolic explosion 
That is about to happen. What do you mean apostolic explosion, Pastor Mendenhall? This is what I mean by apostolic explosion. That people that don't know this and don't understand this are going to receive it. But for those that know it and understand it and have received it, read your Bible. Read your Bible. 120 and 3,000 added to the church daily such as should be saved. Multitudes of people. Those people. Those people. Miracle signs and wonders. The laying on of hands and the raising of the sick. Oh, no, that only happened by the ministry pastor. That only happened by those that had a card in their pocket. No, my friend, read the word of God. Philip went to Samaria. He was not an apostle. He's a table setter. Stephen had many miracles and signs and wonders done by his hands. He's just, he's just waiting tables. Who's going to step out? Who's going to say, I will be a part of the apostolic uh, uh, explosion? It's, it's already happened in your church, Pastor. It's already happened here. But what God is waiting for is people that will believe him, that it's, that it's going to work through them. It's going to work through me. I will believe you, God, that if you'll allow me, God, I'll begin to pray with people that are hungry. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm just going to go down the street and I'm going to find somebody at Walmart, lay my hands on them and shake their head. No, my friend. But you see that lady that's just standing there in the, in the, in the grocery store. And she's pushing. She's got her kids all around her. And you can see the weight of the world that is on her. Man, I, I don't got to have a Ph.D. in apostolic to know when people are in need. The Catholics can tell you that. What we have to do is we have to have an apostolic explosion inside of us. We have to have an apostolic explosion in our heart and in our spirit that says, God, shake me. Blow away the things that I don't need. Just re-revolutionize me. God, I am superheated with hunger. God, I am superheated with passion. I am fuel. Here am I, God. Use me. Breathe on me, God. Breathe the breath of life on me and rearrange my life. I won't be too busy to teach a Bible study. I won't be too busy for this. I'll make time for that. I'll just throw my whole schedule in the air and say, God, what do you want? It's time for an apostolic explosion to happen inside of us so that when that apostolic explosion starts moving across a Palmer, you are ready. If that's you, I turn this service over to you, Pastor Herring. Would you come and pray? I was somewhere a couple of weeks back, and uh, I was walking down like a mall, like the old strip mall type retail environments, and uh, I'm trying to get into the grocery store, and I, out of the liquor store comes an old friend of mine, an old church member, and he proceeded to try to tell me everything going on in his life, and I thought, 
what would, what would Jesus do here? All Jesus would do is say, come, come. You don't have to explain where you've been. You don't have to, you don't have to deal with all the condemnation. If the church can't welcome them back or initially in, then we're the ones that need. I, I feel it from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, Pastor Mendenhall, today. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit. And we're not waiting on those days. We are here. We are here. I invited you last Sunday. I invited you if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and want to. Don't know why you wouldn't want to. But if you want to, come receive it today. If you've never, if you haven't spoken tongues in a long time, no evidence, no life. I got it years ago, Pastor, but I don't even know if it's still around in my life. Why don't you come make sure today, all right? Why don't you come make sure today? Come on, leaders. No, no, no leaders out in that foyer out there visiting. It's, it's special time right now, all right? It's special time. If they come, make them feel welcome in the Holy Ghost. This is that. Spoken by the prophet Joel.